Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The last thing I did before I went to bed, I Google searched how not to cry during a speech. And one of the items was drink water and yawn. Well, I didn't want to yawn, but it worked a little bit, you know, and I've heard that, that saying it takes a village and honestly, it takes a building to be successful, not in one year, but it takes a building to be successful year after year. I don't know what's next and it kind of feels good. Wednesday edition, PFT Live, Chris Sims, Mike Florio. Hello to our friends on Peacock, Sirius XM 85. If you're listening on a podcast or watching later in the day on Sky Sports UK and Ireland, hello, welcome in. It wasn't as stunning as it would have been if it hadn't kind of trickled out over the weekend that Sean Payton hadn't committed to returning to the Saints in 2022. And then the owner of the team, Gail Benson, made it clear on Monday They didn't know what was going on. On Tuesday, we all found out what was going on. Sean Payton joined the Saints 16 years ago and now resigns as the head coach. Goes out on his own terms. It was time. He explained that yesterday. 90-minute press conference, and he he was great. it, It never got to the point where it was boring. He was telling good stories. He was giving praise where the praise needed to be given, gratitude where the gratitude needed to be shown. But... You know, Chris, one of the one of the, and I've said last week, there's a handful of great coaches and there's everybody else. He's one of the handful of great coaches. So they better develop another great coach to make up for the fact that Peyton's going to be gone at least for a year. And there's still a slim chance that it may not even be that, although I think that's a very slim chance. Right. I hear you. It's a huge loss. I mean, even though we kind of knew or it felt like it was coming, it was still shocking. Like yesterday, you were the first one to text me to say that it was coming. Like, oh, wow, Peyton, you know, Sean. It was still big news. I'm sitting there studying film, watching games going, damn, Sean Peyton's not going to be in football. Holy cow. 
I mean, yeah, he's he's special. He's got great perspective, like you saw in the press conference. He is a great communicator. He's respectful of the questions that he gets asked. Uh, he is, you know, of course, one of the great offensive minds in the history of the sport. And I think he's already borderline Hall of Fame type of coach. I think he's in that conversation. You know, I don't know if he'll get in right now with the current status, but I think in my book he's probably there. He is as far as what he's done, especially on the offensive side of the ball with Drew Brees, all the numbers, consistent really good football team throughout the years, gotten ripped off a few times as we know with the Rams and the bad call and all that, but uh, I, Sean Payton's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorite press conferences. He's one of my favorite play callers. I love his attitude when he's on the sideline of a football game. I love those teams. They play tough. They're physical even though they're famous for throwing the football and that takes a special you know, a special trait in a coach too to be good at both like that. So I'll be sorry to see him go. Career record of 161 and 97 with a winning percentage of 62.4%. There are coaches in the Hall of Fame with lesser Definitely. wins than 161 and he has a Super Bowl championship and he's not done. That's the other side of it. He's not done. He, wait, he 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 didn't even try to close the door. Right. Possibly coaching right. again. He's coming back at some point, whether it's after one year, whether it's after two years. And again, there's still a slim possibility that he's back after no years. But uh, I, I I think that, and and also Chris, we can't lose sight of the fact that. They've created a separate lane for coaches now to get to the Hall of Fame that didn't used to be there. You used to compete with players for those handful of Hall of Fame busts that they give out every year. Now you've got you've got a side door to get to the Hall of Fame if you're a coach. And we're going to see a backlog of deserving coaches get in, like the late Dan Reeves, for example. And I think Sean Payton eventually gets in through that path. And the Saints had been kids if, if you're if you're you know yeah, that's, 20 this is, or younger this is to me the, the greatest saints, achievement yeah go ahead the this saints is great. had stunk right the saints had been horrible the saints had been doormats they joined the nfl in the late 60s they never made it to the playoffs until 1987 they didn't win a playoff game until 2000 when they somehow beat the greatest show-offs on turf in a wild card round game the, the, Sean Payton transformed that franchise with Drew Brees. And 100%. He, and he, he, it, was, it was great yesterday. I don't, I don't know if we're going to play the sound. We may or we may not. But just just the, the quick summary. You know, the, Drew Brees fell into their laps. And Drew Brees had 20-plus studs in his shoulder. And, and when you're an organization that is always kind of fighting against the headwind, you got to take those chances. And they did. The Dolphins didn't, and they did. And that went a long way toward helping Drew Brees, Sean Payton together transform that franchise. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And to me, that's his greatest accomplishment. You talk about the offense, the 5,000 yards, the Super Bowl. Of course, the Super Bowl, I know, is the greatest accomplishment. But I think it is what you said that has always jumped out about me. And I've had to explain this to my son, kind of just the way you said it. Hey, kids, you know, the Saints were the doormat of football. You know, for the longest of times. And then, you know, I know in the late 80s, we had that moment with the linebackers and Pat Swilling and, and Jackson and Sam Mills. And they were, you know, a good football team. And they had some moments in the 90s where they were a little relevant. But I mean, he made them a, a, an NFL power. I mean, to where they got to the point over the last 10, 12 years, even this year without Drew Brees, where we went, well, I think the Saints can still go to the playoffs. 
I, I, I still think they can do it. You know, but I do look at it like this. I mean, hey, timing, we always know. It's really, it's really important, no matter what it is. Like you said, the timing of Drew Brees, it fell right into their lap. But, hey, there's two big TV jobs out there right now. You know, could be Monday Night Football. Sounds like it might be available. Amazon might be available. So if you're looking to take a year off and get paid for doing it and get paid big money, damn, it's good to be Sean Payton right now. And then the other thing, when I finally heard the, no, the, the, the you know, the, the fact that he wasn't coming back yesterday, and you texted me. You were the first one to let me know. The first thing I thought of was I just went, well, of course. Who's his mentor, Mike? You know, who's the guy that he looks up to and, and kind of polished his career? Bill Parcells. Yep. This is such a Bill Parcells move. This is what he did. Oh, the Giants, hey, we were good. We won two Super Bowls. I'm a little burnt out. I don't know exactly where the team's going to be the next few years. So I'm going to get out now, recharge, and I'll evaluate the landscape and go from there. But I think when you look at all of those things, he's, it's a long haul. He's emotionally, physically, everything invested into what he does as a head coach. He lives it. He breathes it. He dies it. So I'm sure he is burnt out. But then I don't know how you cannot look at the the roster of the Saints and not think, well, this might be a part of it too that's helping them nudge out the door at least, at least in my opinion. Well, that's right. It's better to walk away at a time when you, you nearly made it to the playoffs and but for the Rams collapsing against the 49ers. Think about that. The 49ers, one of the final four teams, one of right. the real right. contenders to win the Super Bowl, wouldn't have made it if the Rams had merely held a 17-0 lead. The Saints would have been in instead. But to, to do that with one hand tied behind your back this year, now's the time to walk away because the roster's not going to be any better. And at some point, you're getting fired. This way, you get to control your departure. There's the old Rolling Stones song, I'm going to walk before they make me run. That's what he did. Because if you hang around that extra year or two or whatever, then game over and it's a different vibe it totally when gail benson decides to fire you right then when you walk away and not that he would have failed under those circumstances but you're going to bust your ass and just hope that it's enough that the owner doesn't decide to make a change so he, he knew it was the right time i think and he'll so. know when it's the right time to come back <clears throat> and look one, one of the theories is troy aikman goes to amazon and sean payton then becomes the number one analyst at fox with joe buck I don't know that Sean Payton goes straight to doing games for a couple of reasons. Number one, if he's not in it for the long haul, it's kind of odd to give him the number one spot. There's a politics that goes on within these networks where, you know, you'd start him off lower on the totem pole. You wouldn't drop him into number one, especially if he's not clearly all in and committed to being your number one guy indefinitely. And also, it's not going to be easy for him to do games because yeah because he's gonna want to coach he's gonna go what the hell are they doing or why aren't they well, running this no, play no here's what? why here's yeah, why yeah because he 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 made it clear and i'm not gonna say he made it clear he's coming back but he made no effort to close the door on coming back no, which no, is so not. different than anything we've heard from any other former coach that we just assume he's coming back right good luck getting coaches to be as welcoming and as open and as transparent as you need them to be for production meetings. Now, John Gruden, I guess, didn't have that issue, but John Gruden never left the door open the way that Sean Payton did either. And the other side of it, we talked about this yesterday. 
and, and maybe Sean Payton will be the exception. I kind of have a feeling that it will be. I think you can't so, be too. as candid. You yeah. can't be as critical. You can't do the job mm. the right way in TV as a game commentator, even as a studio analyst, if you're holding anything back. And maybe he won't hold anything back, and he'll worry about whether or not that burns bridges later. He'll he'll worry about repairing those bridges later, and I think he's skilled enough to do it. Yeah. Where you can say, hey, you know, I'm just doing my job. They expect me to say things. You know, I don't mean anything by it. It's nothing personal. I got to say things. I got to say what I believe. Don't you expect me to tell you what I believe? I said what I believe. I'm, I'm not going to be two-faced. You're always going to get the straight dope from me. I would say it to your face. I'll say it in front of a camera. See, he could pull it off. Others couldn't. I think he could. I, I agree. I, I think he could pull it off, even to the fact to where I think his status is big enough as a personality and as the play caller that, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. It's odd to think of somebody that, ooh, he might only do this for a short period of time, and then he's going to get back into coaching to make him the number one guy. But I don't know. I think Sean Payton's big enough to where – these networks will certainly think about it. He's got a certain charisma and, like to your point, a way of delivering things, even in press conferences or after a game, whenever. He's very good that way about kind of explaining it and being very honest about it and protecting players and people as he does it. He's got a great touch as far as that's concerned. So, I mean, I'm, I'm happy, and I understand him getting out of there. I mean, when you really look at it and some of the things they got going on on their team, you know, th this would be the time to get out. If you're thinking about getting out and you need a time to rest and you maybe you'd like to start up somewhere new in two or three years, I know we hit on this a little yesterday, but, you know, no Drew Brees. I don't know if the answer at quarterback is on their roster. So, wow, you got a lot of work to do there. And even, you know, I, I understand Sean Payton, he can still be competitive with any quarterback. I understand that. You know, you got an aging, you know, aging players on the defense. You know, you look at Cam Jordan, he's in the middle of his 30s, getting paid a lot of money. They're way over the salary cap. Malcolm Jenkins is 37 years old. Teron Armstead's about to be a free agent at left tackle. He's going to want a ton of money. Alvin Kamara, Kamara, excuse me. It's, it's, it's year seven running back. They ran him hard this year. Like, to me, there's a, Michael Thomas. What the hell is going to happen there? There's a lot of things, I think, going on with that football team and a lot of things that I think need to be done here, you know, sometime in the recent future. And they're in a tough spot, and, you know, like we talked about. They're kind of in salary cap hell that way. So from all those things, too, and I can imagine him being burnt out. Of course he is. I mean, that's a psycho job, and I think he's a psycho in a good way, as we always talk about. He wants, a year, wants to get away, wants to recharge the battery. But I think, you know, there's, there's some tough challenges and maybe some tough times ahead for the New Orleans Saints football team. Simsism. What did I Recent say? Recent future. Recent future. <laughs> Recent future. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, it that's, even, that would be. That would be quite a trick. It doesn't. It doesn't even register in my brain. I feel like I say it so much now. I didn't even realize it. I what after you said it, and I was like, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense, but it made sense to me. <laughs> you know, from the salary cap standpoint, look, I think that Mickey Loomis has been masterful at kicking the can. And the thing about kicking the can, and this is a very simple concept: a dollar this year hurts you less than a dollar next year. Wait, let me turn that around. A dollar next year hurts you less than a dollar this year because the salary cap keeps going up. So relative to the rest of the cap, you know, if you have 100000 in cap space that gets kicked forward to a year, next year it hurts less. It's, it's because you've got more to work with. So yeah, that's what right. teams do. So, yeah, they have a huge cap deficit. They'll find a way to make it work. But still, you got to have the players. you got to have the answers. And, and they may have fallen into one of these veteran quarterbacks. Look, I... I, I think Aaron Rodgers was eyeballing the Saints before 
what happened yesterday. Not that he was at the top of the list, but I think the Saints were in the conversation before what happened yesterday. Now uh, I think that changes, but they, they would have worked something out. With Sean Payton there and Mickey Loomis working together, they would have worked something out. He just decided that it was time. Yeah. It was time. And, and I have a theory about something. Before we do it, though, let's hear a little bit more from Coach Payton on what's next for him now that he's stepping away from the Saints 16 years after he arrived. Honestly, as I sit here today, and, and this is okay, um, I don't know what's next. And look, I, 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 I read the reports and I understand I've not spoken to anyone from a media outlet relative to doing television or radio. Maybe, maybe that opportunity arises, but every time I read something that says like, he's in line for this job, I, I'll, I'll call my agent, Don, and I'll say, Don, did you hear something? Because I have not heard anything. And that's okay. Um, I think I'd like to do that. I think I'd be pretty good at it. But so stepping, stepping outside like in the cold weather today and being a little uncomfortable professionally or, or from a career standpoint is okay. Um, I don't like the word retirement. Mr. B didn't like it either. He always said, you know, retirement's overrated. We get sold this whole image of retirement by these investment groups on TV and golf courses and retirement. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I still have a vision for, for doing things in football. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, that might be coaching again at some point. I don't think it's this year. I think maybe in the future, but that's not where my heart is right now. It's not at all. All right. Here's my theory. And he said TV or radio, which is odd on the surface. On the surface, it's odd. Because what former coach or player gravitates to radio? It's TV. TV is where they go. That, that's, that's the usual off-ramp. But, but usual is changing. The world is changing. And Sean Payton, if nothing else, is brilliant. And he's going to take that brilliance and he's going to apply it to business whatever he does, media, whatever. And also, he's applied that brilliance to figuring out what he's going to do with his career. So he's currently one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL, and he busts his ass every single day. Every single day. Staying up late, attention to, to, to detail, throw yourself into the job. That's what you have to do to be successful as an NFL head coach. And as one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL, he's making north of $15 million. And people say, holy crap, that's a lot of money. And you look at what the job entails and what the value of a great coach is, and you say, you know what, it's really not that much money because the NFL has found a way. They've found a way. Sorry, oligarchs. You've found a way to collude in an unspoken way that holds it down. And they don't really get what they're worth. Because Jared Goff, $33.5 million. Bill Belichick, 20 to $25 million. I rest my case. <laughs> You've found a way. You've found a way to prevent the truly impactful individuals on a consistent pursuit of contention and championships from getting what they deserve. Well-played oligarchs take a victory lap. All right. That said. So, let's just reduce it. Let's reduce it to dollars and cents. Oh, it's, it's crass to talk about money. Bull crap. Bull crap. We all at some level are asking ourselves, what am I getting for what I'm doing? And is there another way to get more for doing the same thing? Could I get a hell of a lot more for doing the same thing, for putting the same time into it? Or could I get more or maybe a hell of a lot more for doing less 
than what I'm doing. You mean there's a way I can make even more money for doing less than what I'm currently doing? Well, welcome to the modern NFL where the gambling money is flowing like water from Niagara Falls. Can we pull up the image of yesterday from Sean Payton? Do we have a still frame of him yesterday? Here's the key. The key was hiding in plain sight. Yeah, it's right behind him. 90 minutes. No, it's right in front of him. 90 minutes of yesterday's press conference. No, no, no. I just need the shot. See that right in front? Look right. See what that is? Right. We can stop it now, but look and see what that is right in front. Is that Caesars? That's the Caesars logo. Boom. Caesar. Go ahead and put the, what's the little olives? What is that? A little with a little crown, the Caesar crown. Put that on Sean Payton's head. Yeah. Because he's going to be able to buy one made out of diamonds. Because here's why. Because here's what Sean, <laughs> here's, here's how Sean Payton would, because I, yeah, the guy's been around football for 16 years as a head coach. I've been doing this 20 years. I, I know a thing or two about the way Sean Payton operates. He would explain it something like this. You know, I got this dopey quarterback from, directional Illinois that comes to Dallas undrafted when I'm there with Parcells and this guy's just laughing and yucking it up and he's just kind of a doofus and he's making 18 million a year now calling games on CBS and then there's this guy who's this former punter he's a former punter for crying out loud he's making 30 million a year from FanDuel what's wrong with this picture (laughs) if these guys can do it I can make 50 million a year and I'm not saying that's my opinion I'm saying that's what Sean Payton is probably thinking at some level. So you give him two, three hours a day with a radio. I don't want to give him ideas here. We don't need any more competition than we already have. But, but I'm, just, I'm just saying, Caesar. Caesar knows. Sean Payton knows where this mo- his money is everywhere. And he would be good. At- he did 90 minutes yesterday. I watched an hour of it, and I didn't think, like, oh, God, will this guy ever shut yeah, up? right. So I uh, – Get ready. And and why not? If, if you're working for a group of oligarchs who are going to hold you down, who have found a way to ensure that the best coaches never get what they deserve, and you can enter a marketplace where Caesar, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, this one, that one, they're going to throw buckets of money at Sean Payton if that's what he wants to do. This is bigger than Sean Payton working for Fox or NBC, or CBS, or Amazon calling games. This is Sean Payton maybe creating a hey, He may not want to he, – he may, he may not be able to afford the pay cut to go back to coach the Dallas Cowboys if that's what ends up. And obviously that's where we think he would go. But Chris, it just kind of hit me as we were talking about it today. And I saw Caesar there. He knows – Payton knows what he's doing. Uh, of course you do. Well, he's going to have a ton of options. I mean, he should. He, he's the man. You explained it all. I mean, he really, he really is. We know he's as knowledgeable about the game as, as anybody in the, in the whole world. I mean, he knows both sides of the ball, offense, defense, understands what it takes as far as, you know, getting your team in the right mentality, uh, I, whatever he wants to do. I don't know if I see him doing that, like the radio podcast thing and all if that. He, if he could make if he could make thirty million a year doing it, well, he would do yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Maybe he would. He would. I still even think with stuff like that though, he's gonna get sick of it after a few years. He is. He likes being an oligarch too, but the oligarching football team. That's what he wants to do. <laughs> so that's where I just look at it and go, there this is only be so long. Maybe you get three or four years where yeah, he's collecting big paychecks from media companies and all that. But I just 
just have a hard time, you know, not that I know him real well, but know a lot of people that do know him, been around him a little, know the nature of that beast, like you explained anyways, as far as what it takes to be a head coach. I don't think he can get away from that. The, the every week competitive desire to come up with a game plan, screw over the other coach, lead men onto a football field. I think he's addicted to that. And that's where, you know, again, all the things you said I think are true, and he's going to have those options, but I just think it's only a matter of time. And, and damn, I say a matter of time, and I want to go, I mean, if the oligarch of oligarchs calls and makes him an offer like that, and then goes, you know what, I can get rid of McCarthy here and I can get you and I'll trade the Saints and I'll pay you $20 million a year and screw it. I'll tell everybody what we're paying you. I, I mean, I, I don't think – I still don't put that in the realm of possibility this year yet. I don't. I mean, if I'm Jerry I don't Jones, either. yeah, I hear you. I know. Hey, the clock's ticking on Jerry Jones. I mean, hey, I hope to make right. it that long too, but when I'm closing in on 80, the clock's ticking you on me. you got to make moves. Exactly right. And, I mean, we know Sean Payton is, at least in my opinion, greater than Mike McCarthy. Yes. And uh, I, I think there's a affection from both sides there that I think is real. I think Dallas has always been on Sean Payton's radar ever since he got there and was there and got to experience what, what it's like to be a Dallas Cowboy. And, uh, you know, you've said it. I've heard it. I mean, yeah, it also seems like Jerry Jones has always had his eye and by Mike's Playmaker book coming out soon. It's got a great story about how close he was to becoming the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Look at this. Well, I'm doing free pub for you now. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're going to tell that story in a minute because yeah. I've already written about it yesterday. I talked to the publisher and it's like, you know, this is the perfect time yeah. to go and give people a taste. Little you know, blurb. I'm like a drug dealer here. Look I'm giving you. a little taste. Oh, I want you to buy you. the rest of the pie. Yummy, but, yummy. But, Let me but, have more. But, you, you said something that reminded me of a conversation I had yesterday on PFTPM with Shereen Williams, who covered the Cowboys for years and still lives down in the area. And you mentioned Sean Payton better than Mike McCarthy. And and now you've got Cowboys fans who are like, oh, is he really an upgrade over Mike McCarthy? I mean, you know, Mike McCarthy won one championship with Aaron Rodgers. Sean Payton won one championship with Drew Brees. They're basically the same guy. I mean, look, they're basically the same guy. I, and and here's here's all I have to say to that. The, the, here's the and, and I mean no disrespect to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is not the same quarterback as Aaron Rodgers from a physically gifted standpoint. Drew Brees got the absolute most out of his God-given abilities, and I respect anyone who does that. He got more than he could out of his God-given abilities. He he was tremendous from an accomplishment standpoint. But Aaron Rodgers is still a different cat when it comes to. I think natural Drew, Drew God-given throwing too. ability, and, yeah. and I think Drew said that. Yeah, I think he he's has. admitted that. Yes. Okay. So, so consider this. Sean Payton told the story yesterday of interviewing for the Saints' job in 2006 after leaving Green Bay and interviewing for the job there because they got hired the same year, McCarthy and Payton, and he kind of wanted the Green Bay job, and he was upset when he found out he didn't get the Green Bay job. All right, alternate history. Sean Payton and Aaron Rodgers. Oof. For 15 years? Are you freaking kidding me? That, that's it. That's all. Cowboys fans, if you're like, oh, is it really going to be an upgrade? Yes. 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 It is going to yes. be an upgrade. Come because on, Because Sean Dallas Payton Cowboys and Aaron Rodgers for the last 15 years, I don't know how many they would have had, but it would have been more than one. Well, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that I think are different there. I mean, first off, I mean, Mike McCarthy's a walking meme on social media right now. So th there's a difference there that should just hit everybody in the face. Go, wait, why does everybody have something or a gif or anything that makes fun of Mike McCarthy and there's not one out there of Sean Payton? Well, because he doesn't have blunders across the, 
his career as far as mismanagement of games or situations or NFC championship games, whatever. That's not a part of his history. In fact, you know, he's been screwed over in some of those those instances with some of the most miraculous, crazy crap you've ever seen with the horrible call against the Rams, the Minneapolis miracle, you know, of course had to take a, a, a year off because of, you know, Bounty Gate and all of that. And then add to that, like Mike McCarthy took over the Green Bay Packers with Brett Favre and the team was pretty good. Like, like we already stated here, Sean Payton took over the Saints where it was like, whoa, there's a lot of work to do. I don't know how long it'll take Post him Katrina. to get there. Right. It's Post-Katrina. And it turned it around to where now every year we're like, well, you know, the NFC South is the Saints division. You know? So there is a difference there. Let alone, again, even on the offensive side of the ball, the genius there. You know, you explained it. And Drew Brees is the man. We know that. First ballot Hall of Famer, the man. One of the greats of all time. You know, throwing for 5,000 yards with him all those times. Mike McCarthy didn't do that with Aaron Rodgers. And like you explained, Aaron Rodgers is more talented. So there's that. And then add on to the fact that, you know, Sean Payton's a play caller, still calling plays. Mike McCarthy, and this is why I always say Aaron Rodgers is great, does want, does want nothing to do with plays now. Nothing, because he's not that great at it, and his offense isn't that creative. So he's giving it to Kellen Moore. So there's a huge difference there, Dallas fans. I'm not saying it happens. I don't know. It's certainly food for thought for me when Sean Payton finally made this decision to get out of the Saints. So I just wonder if it'll happen. And, you know, I know it sounds like we disrespected Mike McCarthy there, but I didn't mean to. I was more making the point of that, you know, Sean Payton, yes, in my opinion, is an upgrade over somebody like Mike McCarthy. Clearly, clear upgrade. All you have to say is all due respect, and it makes it okay. Yeah, you can gotcha. say whatever it's you all want. Good. I've learned that over well, the years. Well, I respect Pete, a lot of the things Mike McCarthy right. does and did. I don't want to let him point yeah. is, yeah. the point is, wherever Mike McCarthy is, Sean Payton's a level higher, period. And, and look no farther than the debacle at the end of the playoff game. Sean Payton is not going to do that. Right. Sean Payton right. is not going to call a play that is executed in a way and coached in a way that results in the final seconds ticking off the clock. He's not going to allow his quarterback to run and stay up for too long. He's not going to have his quarterback being a door, not a window for the umpire who's trying to get in position to set the ball because that's the most important aspect of that play. That's not going to happen. Sean Payton will have devised something that would have been better and it would have worked. That's the difference. And, this is why this is why I feel like Jerry Jones has to be thinking about. Look, I was pondering this even before we knew Sean Payton was considering leaving. You the said it. Yeah, you've said it a and, few times. And and last week when Jerry Jones offered up his twice weekly word salad that you got you got to pick through the ingredients of the word salad and look for the good stuff. There was some stuff there that led me to believe he's at least pondering can I do better than Mike McCarthy and as we've previously said He's not going to allow the bird in the hand to fly away until he knows he's got the two in the bush in the other hand. He's not going to take the chance that he's going to be in a worse spot. He's going to hang on to the guy that's here until he knows he can get a guy who's here. And until he can get a guy who's here, he's not going to get rid of the guy who's there. We're going to talk about that in a minute. For now, let's hear a little bit more from Sean Payton about why now and listen for clues as to whether or not he could indeed be lured back to coaching sooner than later or 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 maybe not here he is from yesterday on why he's made the decision to walk away now I just felt like this season wasn't it was challenging for everyone 
But man, I felt like it was time. I felt like it was time. You know, I kind of knew maybe heading into training camp this might, but you don't, you, you, you know, you don't share that with anyone. You think, well, let's see how the season goes and we're working hard and, and I felt the time was right for me. I felt the time was right. And it's something that I, I've been thinking about. You know, I, I think that, look, you have close friends in the industry. I've lost a few close friends in this industry in the last two or three years. Um, and also, you know, they're, they're, forget football. There's other things, spending more time. There's a lot of sacrifices you make. And so not many get to choose their terms. And I looked at it as an opportunity also to, to see my kids more, to travel some more, to, to get in better shape, to there's an attrition two in the morning. And, and I know I hear people say, well, you don't have, yeah, I get it, but I need to, that, that's the way it works for me. And I think the attention to details are so important that it can be exhausting. And so I felt as this season was winding down, um, that it was the right thing, and then the last week and a half, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, it sounds like he needs a break from the grind. Definitely. Staying up till 2 o'clock, the attention to detail, the what we talked about earlier. How much am I putting in? How much am I getting out? At a certain level, that's a fair analysis. How much am I putting in? How much am I getting out? And is there a way that I can put in the same or less and get out more and still be in the same general industry. And you think about it, some of these guys go to media and they realize I'm not nearly as stressed. I have time to work out. I, I, I don't have my fate hinge on whether some dumbass wearing black and white stripes can see what's happening right in front of him. I'll, I'll do respect to the dumbasses out there who wear black and white stripes. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm doing a bit here. You wear Bear them with on me. Thursdays. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that, that all referees are dumbasses or that any referees are dumbasses, but you know, you kind of know it when you see it. Um, I'm not, I'm not uh, tied to the weather. I'm not tied to, the weird bounce of a ball or whether or not somebody that I've I've given a clear assignment to executes it in the moment. You know, you can't control what happens to you as a coach of a football team ultimately. You don't you, you take that off the table. But you think when, you can and you grind to do it and that's like that's right. where and it, it gets drives you. you crazy. It drives you crazy. And it drives you crazy. Right. Yeah. No. And this yeah. and media won't see I I, I make the chat <laughs> I, I look at it this way. All right, let me tell the Jerry Jones Sean Payton story, and then and then I'll, I'll tell you what I think Jerry Jones should do. Okay. Three years ago. Three years ago, Friday is the anniversary of when it all fell apart. But and, and the context is amazing. Cowboys made it to the playoffs. They made it to the division round. They lost to the Rams. The Rams beat the Saints in the, the uncalled pass interference game a week later. Right. In the aftermath of that game, Following that loss to the Rams, where all hell broke loose publicly, privately, the Cowboys were shooting their shot. The Cowboys tried to get Sean Payton. And and look, th this is the reality. Backroom deals get done. I, we, we believe this all the time. We just rarely have any tangible evidence of it. 
But Jason Garrett was the coach of the Cowboys. Jason Garrett hadn't been fired, and he wasn't going to be fired unless Jerry Jones knew he was getting Sean Payton. Right. So they had it lined up behind the scenes for whatever the compensation was going to be, and I don't know what the compensation was going to be. If I knew, I'd say so. I don't know what the compensation was going to be. But the Cowboys were going to compensate the Saints for the right to talk to Sean Payton about becoming the coach, and Payton was going to take the job. It was all lined up. You know, the procedure is officially and formally you have a vacancy you're doing your search you contact a team about what the compensation would be if you were to hire their coach you reach a deal then you have permission to talk to the coach about hiring him he's not supposed to know anything about it until then i mean come on how 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 impractical is that yeah of course he's going to know you're not going to even start the conversation unless you know the guy wants the job right and then you talk to the guy and you hire him and it and then it gets done this was all ready to go it was going to happen so what would have happened was Jason Garrett would have been fired, and we would have been like, wow, who's the next coach going to be? And they would have done their search, and then all of a sudden the Cowboys would have traded for Sean Payton. That's what would have happened. And it was going to happen. The launch code was going to be activated until Anthony Davis, then with the Pelicans, made it clear he wasn't going to re-sign with the team and he wanted to be traded. And Mickey Loomis, who was the VP of basketball operations for the Pelicans at the time and was and still is the GM of the Saints, said to Sean... I'm sorry. I can't do this now. I can't be the guy that presides over Anthony Davis leaving and Sean Payton leaving and it all happening at the same time. Yeah, right. That's tough. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do it. Right. And later that year, Payton signed an extension with the Saints, and three years later, here we are. And it confirms that there would be intense interest by Jerry Jones to have Sean Payton, but also... To the extent that Sean Payton gets a taste of life outside of coaching and gets a deal with Caesars or FanDuel or DraftKings or whoever that pays him $30 million a year, right? Uh, it, before that happens, you better make your move, Jerry. Speak now, forever hold your peace. Don't wait a year. You want to make this happen, make it happen now. I, I, I Look, if... Don't think it's going to happen a year from now because a year from now, Sean Payton may be saying, screw that. Screw that. I'm making 30 to 40 million a year. I got I got all these incentives and bonuses. And why would I want to trade? My life is great. I've lost 40 pounds. I feel great. I'm back into CrossFit. Life is great. I'm getting a lot of sleep. I'm not obsessed with things I can't control. I'm I'm not dreading game days anymore. This is great. This is great. Sorry, Jerry. You had your chance last year. Sorry. Uh, This year. There's a new Sean. There's a new Sean in town. And new Sean realizes, I ain't going back to that crap. No, I almost I, said the other word. I, well, I, I hear you. I, I think there will be a, a period of time that's like that where he's going to think it's great. But, like, in your heart of hearts, in your heart of hearts, and I know you've talked to Sean Payton a few times, and you know a few people that I know him, no too. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I just figured you'd meet him at the Super Bowl and stuff. No? Oh, okay. We've interviewed him. We've interviewed yeah, him multiple times. Say, we like, know him. So, like... So what I'm saying is just like, well, do you really think, though, after a year or two in that business that Sean Payton won't be itching to get back? Like, I, the, I, I don't see that. I know. I mean, I, well, I understand all you're saying I thought saying the same there. thing about Bill Cowher. I thought the same thing about Bill Cowher. 
Okay, I, I hear you. I hear you. I look at Sean Payton as being a step level, a level up of psycho than Bill Cower, and that's a lot to say because Bill Cower is a psycho too, a different way of psycho, emotional middle linebacker psycho. But I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know. I just don't see it in the cards for him. Just the way he answered those questions, saying he still has a vision for his football life and some of that that conversation there, that still tells me he has things that he'd like to accomplish. I'm sure, of course, winning another Super Bowl would be the, the top of the list, knowing that, you know, just like a quarterback, once you've won two Super Bowls as a head coach, you're in a bit a little a little bit of a different stratosphere. Listen, if I'm I'm with you, Mike, and the fact of if I'm the Cowboys, I'd shoot my shot right now too. I would. I'd call Sean or the Saints and the Benson family, say, hey, here's a first rounder. Here's a second rounder. Give me Sean Payton. Let's see what we can do and see what happens. If that doesn't work, I think at the very least, like if he sits out a year or maybe two, you know, and how I don't know how impatient Jerry was. Maybe Jerry is. uh, you, you, You gauge what happens in Dallas. Maybe it does start to fall apart. You know, trade compensation, I would think, would come become less with every year he's away from the Saints. So uh, he's going to have options is what I'm saying. And I could see it going either way. I could see Dallas making an offer that he can't refuse and going there right now. I could see him taking a year or two and then reevaluating the landscape. And, you know, if something happens in Dallas or they're not happy, him being there or somewhere else. I just can't see him out of the game for too long. I don't see it with him. I don't. I don't disagree with that conceptually. And, you know, I'm reminded of occasions where Bill Cowher almost came back. If, if Woody Johnson would have been willing to fire Mike Tannenbaum a decade or so ago, it would have been it Bill Cowher's like coach of the Jets. Right, right. Cowher wanted to bring in his own people. And, you know, Jerome Bettis always said that the Giants is the job that Cowher always wanted. And it just never worked out. And he got to the point where he realized, you know, there's a different way to live your life and still be in the game and still sure. have some significance and have a role and have a voice. And I think Sean Payton could have a hell of a voice. I think he would be, would be an extremely influential and entertaining voice if that's what he chooses to do. But if he gets the itch again, two or three years from now, the window may be closed. It may not. That's the point. It would be somebody else. If the Cowboys, my, my thought is that the Cowboys are ever going to get him, they need to move heaven and earth to get him now they need to blow the curve now they need to offer him the 30 to 40 million per year that he may end up stumbling into with one of these sports books now that's yeah i don't plan to coach in 2022 right there's a lot of things i don't plan to do either but if somebody offers me 40 million a year to do it i'm doing it so i you know that that so i think that 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 is that is the the reality and it doesn't take a genius to figure it out which qualifies us to kick it around if, if, if Jerry Jones is ever going to get Sean Payton, he's never going to have a better chance than right now. It's only going to get harder as time passes and Sean Payton adjusts to a new life and maybe wants to have two or three years of it before he ventures back to the NFL. And he's keenly aware, as is every coach who's sure. ever won a Super Bowl, of the fact that no coach has won a Super Bowl with two different teams and – I think, you know, you want a ticket to the Hall of Fame, that's your ticket to the Hall of Fame. That is. That is your ticket to the Hall of Fame. That would be certainly, you know, something he could put on his resume that, yeah, like you said, nobody else has. Um, We'll see. I hate to see him go. I really do. Uh, I love watching Sean Payton coach football teams, even this year. You know, just to, to tell how brilliant the guy is, first off, has the right people on the staff, the right players, does all of that. 
But, oh, wait, we, you know, we don't have Drew Brees. We can't throw for 300 yards a game. We'll run the ball. We'll play defense. We'll have these unbelievable game plans on that side of the ball, too. It shows you what kind of a coach he is. doesn't matter. You know, you know, it really, I still look at the Saints and go, they would have made the playoffs if Jameis Winston doesn't get hurt. I don't know if it would have been pretty, but I think they would have made it. You know, like you talked about earlier, it was very close to begin with. And they do it because of his versatility and ability to coach different ways, and he proved that this year. He's definitely one of the best coaches of our era. Um, I hope he comes back. I really does, for our, for our sake. Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. Now let's move it forward with uh, who's next. Gail Benson, the owner of the team, said they're going to do a thorough search. Sean Payton made a little bit of an endorsement for Dennis Allen, who has been overlooked for years in the head coaching interview process. He actually canceled an interview with the Bears yesterday to be in New Orleans for what happened with Sean Payton, and obviously he's going to get considered there. Here's Sean Payton making a a, a not-so-subtle pitch for Dennis Allen to be the next coach. Look, in fairness to Dennis, who's a great candidate in the building, or any other coach that that possibly um, would be hired, I I think that – there's no half in in this game. You know, you're jumping in the deep end and you're swimming. And if you if you elect to, to stay out, then that's fine. But I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that that's the approach that I think has to be taken. It's one of those subtle little moments that to outsiders really isn't a big deal. But if you're Pete Carmichael, you're thinking, hey, man, I've been here for 16 years. You don't mention me as a great candidate in the building, too. What's up with that? And I guarantee you, Pete Carmichael, a little chafed and not being, (laughs) at least give me a shot. At least give me a chance at this job, Sean. At least least interject my name with Dennis Allen's. But look, look at what the defense has done. Look at what Dennis Allen did. Who was the guy that got the whistle? when Sean Payton had COVID during the 2021 season. And it was a Sunday night game at Tampa Bay. It was Dennis Allen. Yeah. And not only did his defense step up, but he ran the team and they shut out Tom Brady. Shut out Tom Brady. That, that's, that's the ultimate closing argument. If you're looking for any type of continuity in New Orleans, try to work your way through this, Dennis Allen is the no-brainer. I, I think so, too. It makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, maybe there's somebody else out there I'm not quite thinking of right now, but there's still things in place there that I think you'd go, man, do we really want to blow this up? You know, yeah, there's no Sean Payton. Okay, but let's, you know, we can have an offensive coordinator and, and, and a staff that's very similar still to what Sean Payton had if we make Dennis Allen the, the head coach. And like you've talked about, defense that's forwarded with, you know, being a top five, number top three type of defense the last four or five years in football. And now, wait, the rest of the staff, it's still Sean Payton-esque. And to what you talked about, there's a guy like Pete Carmichael who has been right next to Sean Payton's, an extension of him, but hasn't you know, always had a call to play or maybe do the finishing touches to the game plan or have to come up with you know, the most creative things that we know Sean Payton are so famous for. But still, those are all positives. That's where you know, I, the Saints, this is a situation where I really would look inside the building to go, wait, I, you know, again, we got kind of a good thing here. we got a good staff. It's viewed that way across football. You know, from all facets, and 
you got a coach who is an outside-the-box defensive mind, and he's changed, and he showed the ability to adapt. He's changed his defense from where it was when you know, he got the job with the Raiders however many years ago. It's a, so he's, a will, he's able and willing to evolve. It makes sense to me. And, again, he's built a culture down there, Sean Payton, that I think you could just hand over to these guys. And it really, you know, I'm not going to say it wouldn't miss a beat, but I don't think it's going to be too far off from what he created there. And you still got a lot of great minds on that staff to coach a football team. So that's where I would kind of lean that way too, Mike. You know, something that just occurred to me as we were thinking about the internal candidates, and, and this is kind of odd, and, and I know that there's only so much control that the individual coach has over this, but – there is no Sean Payton coaching tree after 16 years as the head coach. Who from his staff has ever gone on to be a head coach anywhere else? Has what? it ever happened? I mean, Pete Carmichael has just kind of been overlooked. Their defensive coordinators have never been great. Lombardi left town to go be offensive coordinators twice, right? Right, but he's but not yeah, a head coach. I know. He's not a head coach. You're right. It's very so, interesting. I think that tells yeah. you how much he does. I think that's what just that what, what we just answered, you know. Okay, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. Dan right? Campbell's that the only would be one. one right? And just this year. And but 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 I think it tells you that like how much he's doing within that organization too, and that he's got his hands on everything to a degree. Maybe that's what that kind of says there all, all together. He's a special coach, and he's always willing to adjust and get new minds in there and try to get them to help him out that way. Like even this year, like where they got Chris Richard, right? He comes in to help the secondary, was a defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Hey, let's get another idea in here, another guy who can maybe give us a few details or things that we haven't thought about. Uh, that's where they're special. And, you know, to that, that's why I would be careful if I'm the Benson family about, you know, going outside the box on this one and, and disrupting what you already got in that coaching staff Doug Marone was there through 2008 before he became the head coach at Syracuse for three years and then he ended up the head coach at Buffalo Bill so that's kind of a circuitous it's all like that Parcells Sean Payton right combination of people to where it's like yeah I guess they're on the same tree I don't really know how to think about it but they're all from the same school of thought all from the same school to where back to where like I could see him burnt out hey coaches you know I know they're grinders. I mean, they're all. It's psycho work. It's it's five in the morning till 10, 10 at night. But I will say, in my experience here, you know, the Parcells Belichick coaching tree, there's another level of all in, you know, all inness, all right, simsism there, as far as what they do. There is. I could talk to some coaches, you know coming home or I'm texting with them and hey I'm getting ready to leave the office and it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm like okay that's cool but I want to be like man the guys in New England Sean Payton they're still going strong and still got like two or three hours in front of them it's a different type of grind with that coaching tree too they have a different set of expectations as far as what's expected for them and looking at every detail on the football team to something you explained a little earlier and I think that's why you see you know maybe this coming to an end too here just to where he just man it's hard to look over every little thing all the time 24 7 365 that's the thing you can come up with different things to do that will take up those hours it's not like they're sitting there spinning their wheels right they come up with concrete tasks that are aimed at finding a way to potentially enhance the team's efforts not everything you're doing during that process is working you're doing a lot of turning rocks over and kissing a lot of frogs but if if you get lucky that one extra piece of film you watch that one extra 
that one extra moment you take to think right. really hard about right. something may give you the <clears throat> idea that makes all the difference in the world. And the people who don't approach it that way don't understand what that is. And that's the problem. You, you get to the point potentially of diminishing returns, and the returns do diminish because you're putting in all that extra time just for that hope, just for that whisper, just for that one thing that can make the difference. But they understand they understand that that one thing that can make the difference is elusive and you need to put in all those extra hours in the hopes of maybe grabbing it out of the sky. That's why Sean Payton talked about working until 2 a.m. That's why the Patriots coaches do what they do. That's the difference between the great coaches and everybody else. The great coaches are constantly looking for that one thing that's going to make the difference between winning a championship and not winning a championship. All right, let's take a break. There are still... I was going to say there's still eight head coaching. It's growing. There are nine head coaching vacancies now. None have been filled, but we do have a new general manager in Chicago and maybe another one on the way in Minnesota. We'll talk about that next here on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Chicago Bears have a new general manager, Ryan Poles, picked up at the airport by Chairman George McCaskey on Monday, on Tuesday. He took the job. They didn't let him go back to the airport. See, that's the key. You pick him up at the airport, you don't take him back to the airport so he can fly to Minnesota for his second interview. They got the deal done at the conclusion of their second interview with Ryan Poles. He comes from Kansas City where he was the executive director of player personnel. He worked in the Kansas City front office for 13 years, and he's still not 40 years old. Uh, He was the director of college scouting in 2017 when they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. So maybe he's the guy that put... Patrick Mahomes on Brett Veach's radar screen. We know that Veach is the one who banged on the table for Andy Reid to get his attention, to get him to go after Patrick Mahomes. But Ryan Poles, a part of that structure and apparatus in Kansas City, now becomes the general manager of the Chicago Bears. And hey, look, we've been to Chicago. It's a special town. Yeah. They love the Bears. It's amazing that they haven't had anything since 1985. A, a buddy of mine and Chicago said that the Packers losing to the 49ers Saturday night was the biggest win for the Bears since the 85 season. <laughs> that, that's how little the Bears have had to celebrate in the past 35 years. 
So the fans are impatient, and rightfully so. And now they, they get their new beginning. They get Ryan Poles. Now they embark on a more refined search for a head coach because they have been ser- searching concurrently for a coach. And we'll see where they go from here. Yeah, no, we'll see where they go. I mean, you know, again, I don't know a ton about Ryan Poles. I don't think any of us do. You know, that's where the interview process, you know, comes in handy. But, you know, the things I do like or do know about him, I mean, yeah, just like anything. Just like we talk with, like, a good coaching hire or other good GMs. It's, it's where he came from. What's he been a part of? You know, he's been a part of a place that has a process that obviously is tried and tr- you know, you know, tried and true. Is that what I'm trying to say? Yeah, something like yes. that. And the yes. fact that they know how to evaluate football players, they know how to build a football team. You know, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been more than relevant ever since Andy Reid got there. I mean, the last ten years, I mean, the Chiefs have been towards the top of football, and we know they went to another stratosphere once they got Patrick Mahomes. But man, the quality of football players. Some of the moves they made in the draft, some of the people Ryan Poles was around in his time there with Kansas City, whether it's you know Chris Ballard or Dorsey or of course Brett Veach, and I'm think I'm missing some other names out there that are I'm blanking out right now that were a part of that front office there. So it th- this is what you'd want, I think, if you're a fan of a football team, is a guy that's come from a place that's had success, and then we've seen other tentacles, you know, leave this place and also have success and see that they have an understanding of building a football team and an eye for talent, uh, and uh, that's where I like it. And that's uh, they're going to need that, and that's going to come in handy in Chicago. And you're right; he's coming from a great shop that has been an incubator for great football minds who have gone elsewhere. So you assume you've picked something up as Orion Poles in that environment, working there and thriving there. And clearly he did enough through two interviews right. to get the Bears to decide right. to give him the job. But but he, here's here's one of the – and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to call people out here. Maybe I'm in a good mood today. I don't know. But, but th- th- this is something we have to keep in mind. And we're always going to keep it authentic and real. Um, as these jobs get filled – and this isn't directed at Ryan Poles or any specific individual – As these jobs get filled, what you will see is members of the media lavishing unreasonable praise on people about whom they directly know very little, if anything. Oh, what a great hire. This guy's going to be great. This guy. Hey, hey, Bears, you've you crushed it, baby. You killed it. You got a great one. Okay, they all can't be great, first of all. And even if they were all great, even if they're all even if every coach and every general manager in the NFL is great. Here's the reality. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. You still have 272 regular season games that get played every year. You still have a winner and a loser of every game. No matter how great you are, there are going to, for every good team, there must be a bad team. You can have 32 great head coaches and 32 great general managers, and it ultimately isn't going to matter because bounce of the ball, good call, bad call. Injuries, Gust of wind, right. injuries, you're, gonna, you're going to be bad no matter how great you are. That, and again, I don't know why in the hell anybody would want to do it. This is why Sean Payton may want to take his $40 million from Caesars or whoever and never look back. Because we can say all these hires are great, and you're going to have nine new head coaches, more than 25% of the league, and they can all be perfect choices. And oh, this is our 15-year guy. That's what Tony Dungy was saying the other day. You want your 15-year guy. But you may not make it 15 years because you're in the ultimate competitive cocoon 
where they're all in there fighting with each other. And you're gonna and, and some of these some of these guys are getting fired after two or three years, no matter how good they are. That's what's both sad and so compelling about the sport, Chris. No, it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. You know, it, yeah, it's 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 across the board. You know, again, you could you could be a great player and you get caught on a in a crap team and nobody supports you or helps you or is around you. You know, nobody will know how great you are. I mean, listen, we're we're learning a little about Matthew Stafford right now. And I mean, I think you know we and you and I know we're psychos and we pay attention to the sport. But I think you have other people, the casual fan, who's going, "Wait, wait, Matthew Stafford, he doesn't get to the play. He doesn't play like this. This is what what did I see on Sunday? A guy that's playing better than I didn't. Everybody told me he's not good. No, he's just been in a tough situation. Now he's throwing lasers all over the field and he's got support and he's understanding how to play with the." the pressure or the bullseye on the back a little bit as far as, you know, expectations. But that is, I mean, you said it right, Mike. It's brutal that way. It really is, and it's cutthroat, and things could be going all great. And you're thinking, wow, what a great career. And all of a sudden, an injury happens to you or something happens to the football team, and it's never the same. It's crazy that way. I can speak to experience. I mean, I thought, oh, man, I'm in, you know, I'm in year four. I'm going to play forever. I'm going to maybe get 15 years out of this. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, I lost a spleen. All of a sudden, I'm almost dying. And all of a sudden, I'm hanging on for my dear life to be in the NFL football world. I mean, really, the football's brutal. There's been like five people in the history of the sport who have retired and been like, man, I love my career and the way it went. It was awesome. I mean, it's like the limited few. I mean, it really is. Everybody else, even with good careers, is going, damn, that happened, this happened, damn, damn, damn. I mean, when you talk about, hey, Elway, uh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, I mean, we're talking about a select view of players, at least, where you go, they got to walk away and just be like, let me put my chest out, and I'm the freaking man. Uh, that's rare. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot on your brain, and it can torture you, the NFL football, for sure. A few other facts about Ryan Poles. He signed with the Bears as an undrafted free agent in 2008, did not make the final roster, and played as an offensive lineman with Matt Ryan. Start the Matt Ryan to Chicago rumors, and I'm kidding because they have Justin Fields. But you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see Ryan Poles' final assessment of Justin Fields from a year ago. I'd love to see that because – these teams still scout the guys, even though they don't need a quarterback. I would think it's in good. Kansas City, they they still they still scout these guys. Right. No, I would think that that's part of the reason why he's there, is the fact that he probably does think of him, uh, you know, in a very high capacity. Uh, you know, again, I, I you know the owner, they know what they got. They know what they gave up to get Justin Fields. I'm sure they don't want to hire a guy that goes, well, I don't know about this Fields guy. I don't know. I'm man. I'm not sure. You know, I don't think that's going to make ownership feel good about. Hey, we're going to hire a guy that you know doesn't like the guy that's the quarterback of our team and showed some talent, and we traded away a first round pick. So I would think that was part of him being hired, as he's on board with Justin Fields and likes him and what he brings to the table. So that that now it's just about what are they going to do? How are they going to fix it? Where's it going to go from here? I think the thing I'm a little you know. Uh, I guess perplexed about with Chicago. I like the Ryan Poles hiring, certainly. The coaching candidate thing is one where I'm a little bit, you know, I just, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. You know, Dan Quinn, Matt Eberflus, uh, hey, good coaches, certainly. I don't know if they necessarily, like, get my blood, you know, pressure going and I'm going, oh, wow, I can't believe this. This is amazing. You know, the one thing I want to say is, man, the defensive coaching staff in Chicago and the defense, it doesn't fit Dan Quinn or Matt Eberflus. 
They've been in like a 3-4 type of scheme. So you're going to have a time there that you're going to have to flip over the team a little bit to fit what they want to do. So there's that aspect of it. You know, I, I am one that I can sit here and get behind Jim Caldwell more than the other two. I'll say that. Well, look, Chris, Chris, here's the key. Yeah. yeah. You need somebody who is going to have a relationship with and be responsible for the development of the most important player on the roster, who right. is Justin Fields. Right. And and here I'm going to bang my drum as I've been banging it every year, and I apologize to all defensive coordinators out there, up to and including Coach Dungy, who was a defensive guy who was a great coach. But, but if you hire a defensive coordinator as your head coach and you have a great young quarterback who begins to fulfill his potential and the team becomes good, what happens? Yeah. Bye-bye to the offensive coordinator. Right. He becomes a head coach somewhere else. If your head coach is your de facto offensive coordinator and is the one who is developing that one-on-one -on -one relationship with your quarterback that you want to continue year in and year out, you don't have to worry about your, your quarterback being put on this revolving door of here's a new coordinator, here's a new coordinator, here's a new coordinator. You don't need that. You don't want that. You want that relationship between coach and quarterback to fuse together and remain in place for as long as possible. So that's why you need an offensive coach if you've got that young quarterback you're trying to develop. But if you don't have one now, you're probably going to have one later. That's why I, I just think, and again, I mean, all the defensive coaches are going to be pissed at me about it, but that's all right to be pissed at me for something else. I, I, I want my coach to be the guy who is directly responsible for the relationship with my quarterback, and it's more likely going to be an offensive guy. Yeah, I listen, I, I, I hear you. I do. I, I think it's a very real factor across the NFL. I think it's in a lot of owners and you know front office people's mind as far as that's concerned because that is the new trend. It's always about the new hot and young offensive coordinator. Let's get that guy to be our head coach. I get that, I, I, but I still – you know, I still go for the best candidate available. I'm not going to just go off of that. You know, again, I know, you know, there's the Sean McDermott's of the world that's worked out for Buffalo, and I understand we're going to be seeing here with Brian Dayball and going, oh, he could be out the door here. You know, but hopefully Dayball's been there long enough to where there's a system in place to where now somebody can take over. Just like Andy Reid, he loses an offensive coordinator, somebody comes up, they take over. You know, we've seen that from these great coaching trees that way. That's what you hope to build if you do hire that defensive coach, like Belichick. Oh, it was Charlie Weiss. Oh wait, then we got McDaniel's. McDaniel's left for a little while. Oh hey, here's Bill. Billy O'Brien, okay, that works. You know, McDaniels comes back, okay, but hopefully that if you do hire that defensive coach, yes, they can find the right offensive mind that can implement a real system within your facility, in your organization, and then you just hope, fingers crossed, that that guy isn't gone after one year, which is more than likely that he won't be. But it is risky, you know, to your point, as far as hiring that defensive coach, and then, oh no, we take off on offense, and all of a sudden that offensive coordinator might be gone after one year um and and you look this is just one of the realities of the nfl you want to have your quarterback your young quarterback in a position where um you'll have that consistency because guys can get ruined quickly when you've got remember alex smith is like every year there was a different coordinator every year there's a different offense every year there's a different this there's a different that you just want to have that continuity if you can get it the vikings who had been interested in that second interview with Ryan Poles. They are closing in on hiring Quezzi Adolfo Mensa. He's a guy who comes from the Browns front office, VP of football operations the last two seasons. An interesting...
career path. He played basketball at Princeton. He was a Wall Street portfolio manager and a commodities trader before he entered the NFL. He worked in the San Francisco front office from 2013 through 2019 before joining the Browns. Has a master's in economics from Stanford. And uh, he was the other finalist for that Vikings GM job. So there's an expectation that we're going to see the white puff of smoke from the chimney in Minnesota, making Quezia Dofo Mensa the new general manager there. And then they set apart on, or they set out, excuse me, on, on hiring their coach. Both of these teams started to interview coaches. And I, I didn't understand why. Because ultimately, if your GM is going to make the hire, why do you want to preposition yourself? Why do you want to prejudge? Why do you want to predetermine anything? Yeah, I think it's a good why, question. I, I think you get your GM first and then you do your search. You can line up your research, you can start digging about some of these guys that you may be interested in. But I, I think that, that you know, you, you've got you've to let the GM uh, interview whoever he wants to interview. Maybe it's somebody who's off the board that you haven't already talked to. Right. Maybe there's people that he, he just looks at saying, well, based on what I know of this guy, I can never be comfortable partnering with him. I mean, it's got to be a partnership, Chris. We've talked about this before. It's yes, the it does. It's a three-legged race. GM and head coach working together. No opportunity for one to stay and the other to go. We either both fail or we both succeed. Anything else is inherently dysfunctional and invites acrimony, hidden agendas, whispering to the owner in the luxury suite. That the co- it's, We have a talented team. It's the coach's fault. And there was some of that bubbling up in Minnesota toward the end. And maybe that's why the good outcome was to just start, start over again. But you don't want to be in a spot where the coach is saying the team is talented. Or no, the coach is saying, I don't have enough talent. That's why we're not winning. And the GM's saying, hey, we got plenty of talent. I don't know what the coach is doing. you got to have those. That's got to be your most important partnership of any in the organization. Yeah, 100%. It has to be. For the same reasons with Ryan Poles, I, 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 I mean, it sounds like it's going this direction. I like it. I do. And, again, all I can know is just a little bit about the guy from what I've heard, you know, in the history. Again, it's, you know, the schools you're from obviously is intelligent, obviously knows sports a little bit, you know, was on a 49ers football team that was as well built as any team I've ever seen in my life there in, the, you know, with the Trent Balky and Jim Harbaugh era, right? There at 2013, I know that was kind of coming to the end of their great football team, but still, uh, and that, that to me, you've heard me say it before, is one of the all-time look teams that I've ever seen in my life. When they walked on the field in New England when I was working there as a Patriot uh, in 2012, I just remember looking and going, oh my gosh, I don't know if I've seen so many studs on one football team. Then, of course, being in Cleveland, and you could say what you want, oh, well, what's disappointing about Cleveland is you know, what we know. The team was talented. They underperformed. I know there were some issues that go along with it, but you certainly like the talent on the football team for the Cleveland Browns. So he's been there. He's done that. He's seen what it takes to build a football team and have success that way. I just, yes, they better let him interview the candidates himself and get a feel for what he likes, what he wants. And uh, I'll be interested to see where that goes because you're right. It does seem like they put the cart in front of the horse a little bit there with going, wait, here, we interviewed these guys. We're kind of feeling this. You know, that's you're already going to put him in a spot to be like, wait, I got to say no to the owner already. I'd like to do my own talk here. Maybe he's already let them in on an idea or somebody that's out there that he likes. Uh, maybe that's part of this process, uh, but I can get behind it either way. And Quezia Dofomenso can say, hey, I, I wasn't here when they drafted Baker Mayfield, who may be the weak link on the current 
current Browns roster. And I wasn't here when they decided to make Freddie Kitchens the head coach. And I definitely wasn't here when they decided to make Hugh Jackson the head coach. So don't blame any of the dysfunction in Cleveland of the past several years on me. And we'll see what happens. But above all else, for any of these teams, for every team, GM-coach relationship, the most important. It's important that we take a break when we return. After further review, divisional round edition. We got some great stuff. It's not all nothing the passer this week. There's some other stuff we need to talk about. We'll do it next on this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.